Hello, and welcome to I Love It, Don't You? The podcast where friends share with friends whether they like it or not. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Kim. And I'm Janelle. And today we are discussing one of my favorite books um, by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, the beginning of his Kingkiller Chronicles series, The Name of the Wind. Um, I've read it before a few years ago, and once I got into it, I really couldn't put it down, um, which is bad because it's 700 and some pages. Uh, <laughs> but um, I thought I would start off, if you guys want to, by reading the prologue, because it's really pretty, and every time I read it, I get more and more into it. Does that sound yeah. good? Yeah. Okay. Prologue. A science of three... Silence. I've even started off bad. <laughs> prologue. A silence of three parts. It was night again. The Waystone Inn lay in silence, and it was a silence of three parts. The most obvious part was a hollow, echoing quiet, made by the things that were lacking. If there had been a wind, it would have sighed through the trees, set the inn sign creaking on its hooks, and brushed the silence down the road, like trailing autumn leaves. If there had been a crowd, even a handful of men inside the inn, they would have filled the silence with con conversation and laughter, the clatter and clamor one expects from a drinking house during the dark hours of night. If there had been music, but no, of course there was no music. In fact, there were none of these things, and so the silence remained. Inside the waystone, a pair of men huddled at one corner of the bar. They drank with quiet determination, avoiding serious discussions of troubling news. In doing this, they added a small, sullen silence to the larger, hollow one. It made an alloy of sorts, a counterpoint. The third silence was not an easy thing to notice. If you listened for an hour, you might begin to feel it in the wooden floor underfoot and in the rough, splintering barrels behind the bar. It was in the weight of the black stone hearth that held the heat of a long-dead fire. It was in the slow back and forth of a white linen cloth rubbing against the grain of the bar. And it was in the hands of the man who stood there, polishing a stretch of mahogany that had already gleamed in the lamplight. The man had true red hair, red as flame, his eyes were dark and distant, and he moved with a subtle certainty that comes with knowing many things. The waystone was his, just as the third silence was his. This was appropriate, as it was the greatest silence of the three, wrapping the others inside itself. It was deep and wide as autumn's ending. It was heavy as a great river smooth stone. It was the patient, cut flower sound of a man who is waiting to die boom <laughs> um so the name of the wind uh is if you listen to our little shorty episode um or one of them where i did uh non-linear storytelling it's uh actually a story within a story within a story at points um where our main character kote um is an innkeeper and the third silence is his and uh he's kind of a mysterious person um and you find out very quickly he's a very mysterious person <laughs> um there's also bast his kind of a apprentice type person who's a little bit mysterious in his own right as well um bast helps him run the inn and he is uh, a student of uh cote's 
Um, there's also the chronicler, who's just a scribe who goes across the land, you know, writing things for people and um, collecting stories and things like that. And he's pretty well known one at that. Um, we meet another, you know, host of characters, but uh, it's kind of it's about Kote's story and it's about Kvoth's story. Uh, Kvoth, you find out pretty quickly. It's a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler. It's pretty obvious that Kote is Kvoth. Kvoth is this uh, big hero, and he's got all of these names, and he's either thought of as terrible or awesome. Um, he's protected the land, and he's become a myth. And, yeah. <laughs> Kote's basically hiding out. Mm -hmm. um, hiding away from his path, past as Kvoth. Um, and there's a whole lot more characters. Even reading, we, we read through the first 13 chapters, mm -hmm. um, roughly 100 pages or so into it, and we hardly met anybody. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many more. Um, so fantasy and sci-fi are kind of my gig, but not necessarily to as big of an extent for Elizabeth and Kim. So neither of them have read this until now. And... What would you guys, what do you, what's your impressions thus far? And how far did you read into it? Do you want to go Roughly. First? I can. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like it so far. I like the way that it's laying out the story and giving you the background kind of slowly. And I feel like uh, it's doing a good job with the world building. And that's something that I think we should talk about mm -hmm. in a little while. Oh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I like it. Um, I'm very interested in where it's going and, uh, kind of the relationships. I really like Bast and Cote's relationship. Um, and yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's my thoughts so far. Uh, I ended up really enjoying it. I... I had a hard time kind of, like, getting into it because there are a lot of, uh, you know, different names, like, unique names. And I'm listening to it, so it's a little harder for me to keep track of who is who if I'm not seeing the name. Does mm -hmm. that make any sense? No, that makes sense. Um, I was a little worried I'd come in here and not know who you guys were talking about. Because, like, <laughs> you know, like, sometimes you read a name differently than an audio book. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I am curious how, like, how they were pronouncing. Yeah, I couldn't tell you now. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> The only um, thing Bass, but you pronounce. I know that how you're pronouncing his friend uh, Bass. Mm -hmm. Is the, I know that's correct, um, but I just like to think of the innkeeper as either innkeeper or red. <laughs> <laughs> I like Reshi. Reshi is cute. Oh, that too. is very cute. That's another thing. He kept having so many names, and I was he just, does until we start until the chronicle met the innkeeper or red or whatever you want to call him. Um, I was a little, I was kind of like getting confused about where the story was at, but mm -hmm. once we got to the story within a story, like it was a lot more easier for me to keep up with, and I started yeah. really enjoying it. I was like, I want to find out what's next, you know? And so. see, it's strange because it takes a little bit to get into the story within a story. Mm -hmm. I, I was 52 pages in, I think, when actually Kvothe starts, say like, actually reciting his story I, th yeah. I think that's about how far it was um and by then you've already seen him from a third person view you've seen a little bit of him like from his own view you, you never actually get into his head it's mm -hmm. but um it's it's almost like it's more 
from his view at the same time. It's kind of strange. He has, I feel like Rothfuss has a pretty kind of unique way of writing. What, what do you guys think about that? I don't know. Uh, I haven't given much thought to. I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I hadn't given much thought to how he was writing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to get into the content of the story. Do you have thoughts? I I found his writing almost familiar. Yeah. In, in a way that I like and that um like the way he was writing is is ways writing that I like to read. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't I don't know that I've seen it a whole lot, but I've definitely it's definitely familiar enough that like I know I like this book because I like the way it's written if that right. makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, In all honesty, I haven't read tons of adult books. This is, I kind of count this as, like, the first adult book that I've read all the way through of my own will, you know. It's other than stuff, like, in high school that they make you read. This is probably the first thing that I've really sat down that hasn't been... Well, this was actually handed to me. This was... <laughs> my friend Tillman actually, like, forced me to buy this, mm-hmm. and... But, you know, I read it of my own accord and everything. And so it feels really interesting to me to, to read it um, because it doesn't play to, like, the normal YA stuff, you yeah. know, the, the the same tropes that they have in it. Uh-huh. But I love kind of the themes that are enduring in this. If you notice, um, why I wanted to read the prologue is um, how it talks about silence. Mm-hmm in such a way that silence is almost a character in and of itself. And it's uh, silence and all of the actual characters, they're never the same. They're always very fluid in how they're described. And, you know, Kote, he's, it's almost like his coloring reflects who he is because sometimes he just, he's really dull looking. Other mm-hmm. times he's vibrant and red mm-hmm. and everything. And um, it, it feels like nobody is in one place at, at one time, you yeah. know? Um, like sometimes the silence is uh, it, it feels really intense other times it's dead you know stuff like that yeah yeah did you I do I do really like the way kind of depending upon the situation like his hair you know like sometimes it's described as like more of a flame uh, sometimes it's just red a dull red like it, it is very interesting uh, and the same kind of when they were describing Bast um, when the Chronicle or first kind of sees Bast or whatever and kind of describing that he looks one way but if you're actually looking he looks he looks yeah. different and, and just kind of that's very interesting and very much he's using characteristics about people's eyes or hair to describe their feeling their feelings and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing um like codier uh eyes are darker and fear like and he looks very fierce and and that sort of thing in one scene so i really am enjoying that too yeah nobody's nobody's appearance is static ever mm-hmm. it's because he's actually the basic description of him is like um really pale skin super red hair really green eyes lots of scars that's about it Mm -hmm. and but that changes because they say he has dark eyes and so my brain automatically goes to like black eyes 
and sometimes he's dull so he just looks like a street urchin and it it's it i don't know it i feel me. like when they said he had dark eyes though at least in what i've read like they still said they were green so like yeah. in my mind it's just that green's getting darker and darker mm-hmm. so you're getting more like a forest yeah. green type he is his own thing i think he is what they would say what somebody who's more educated in the book would say is like a fairy basically but to the common folk who are like super religious and scared as uh-huh. soon as anything presents itself they would throw him into the big category of demon okay um in no small part because he's allergic to iron he and was, he hides what he looks they like they said okay. that he was like um a prince right mm-hmm. yeah so. he's a prince of his people yeah of course i imagine fairies very much differently more yeah. and right. orlando bloom but <laughs> Um, the, so, do we want to talk about the world building? Because I was thinking yeah. about that as I was reading it. Because uh, I've definitely read books that have a lot of world building similar to this, but I would call them more paranormal than fantasy, and I think this is hard fantasy. But I think he's done such a great job of building a world, and I was thinking about how difficult that must be. I mean, if you're writing a realistic novel, you have concrete things you can study to right. make it realistic. But when you're doing a fantasy novel, like, you have to, like, most of the stuff that I read, I know, has comes from, like, some kind of source material, like uh, mythology and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure. I was wondering if, like, he had something like that that I'm not seeing. You know what I mean? Like, Norse mythology, but I don't think he has yeah. Norse mythology. He does have some... Um Okay, I should preface this by saying I haven't actually read tons of fantasy, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I've watched lots of fantasy and sci-fi shows, but I don't typically go for fantasy. And this is, you know, they always say don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Well, so many fantasy and sci-fi books have the cheesiest, crappiest right. covers. Yes. I never go for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not want to go for this one either because I'm not a fan of the cover of it. Now yeah. it's grown on me. Mm-hmm. But um, from what I understand, from what I've watched and and the little bit that I've read he does fall onto um some like time honored things or at least things that have been set forth before like the idea of sympathy sympathy is the kind of magic in yeah. this book um and it's you're able to manipulate things by their physical state it's it's kind of close to alchemy and stuff like that um but as he progresses um they they talk about being if you know the true name of things you can manipulate them that's kind of a common thing in fantasy um but as far as actually building his world and everything i feel like that's fairly much his own but like the ideas of magic and some of the the creatures and stuff they are definitely taken from other places okay um interesting and i think he does a good job of world building because i feel like you can go a few different ways and do a few different missteps one is like where you are trying to in the first couple chapters describe this world but you do it like to the detriment Mm -hmm. like and you're trying to lay out kind of all your rules and all your stuff Mm -hmm. then there can be where you are plopping a person down in the middle of it and you don't give enough Mm mm-hmm but I feel like he has done a good job of plopping you down in the middle, but covertly explaining what you need to know and, right. and giving mm-hmm. you enough 
that you can understand there are some things that aren't necessarily clear, but you know that in this world it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you you have faith that once you finish the book, you will be able to understand a whole lot more of right. what you read in the beginning. And so I very much like how, how he's doing that and kind of how he's laying out those things. So that's in some ways why some of the things that might not I might not pick up on right away, like I'm not questioning right now, mm. is because that'll make sense later on. And so I'm not like overanalyzing every single thing, trying to necessarily, for me, I wasn't necessarily trying to figure out what exactly best was because, oh, it'll make sense later. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it wasn't really even a question of let me draw on the clues that we've learned so far to figure out right. what he is. It's just he's some sort of other creature that scares Chronicler mm-hmm. and okay, moving on. Yeah. And also uh, back like to what you're saying about him kind of like show, I think he's doing a good job of like explaining to you by, you know, showing you instead mm-hmm. of telling you and like, like one of the reasons I was able to really start getting into it once we got to the story within a story is because we get to see Red when he was a young boy, and then we're learning that stuff with him mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, I really I'm enjoying that part. Uh-huh. Right, think- and oh, no, but the story within a story also helps to allow him to give you some of that mm-hmm. that information, yeah. and mm-hmm. it not seem like it's just. I'm explaining to you this world so you know it, but it it's coming more naturally with the story within yeah. a story. Yeah. And it's taken you 70 pages before you get there. Mm-hmm. So you're already kind of in this realm. And so some things are now becoming, making more sense because you're hearing them right. a little bit more. He very much, I, I it, now that, you know, I'm, really thinking about it he he does a good job of kind of dipping your toes into the water and you don't even notice it Mm -hmm. because when it starts off you're not questioning where you are you're in a single solitary place that doesn't have a weird name or anything Mm -hmm. like that you're in an inn we all know what an inn is like you know right and when he describes the town it just sounds like a normal town Mm -hmm. it has a different name but it's still it's very much like a an anglicized i guess that's the word like it's it's a normal name it's not some weird elvish name or anything Mm -hmm. like that and he gradually introduces more and more words um but a lot of the time they have roots that sound like our own words so it's not crazy Mm -hmm. it's i mean there are some there's definitely some words but i feel like something that could easily distance people is by every item that I own has a strange name to it and it's you know I have to describe what it's like because it has a strange name mm-hmm. and it's not like that he has an apron that he got from a smith he has gloves that he got from a smith right. they're made out of leather they're not made out of some random mystical creatures hide or anything <laughs> like that it's you feel really grounded mm-hmm. and he doesn't introduce stranger names until it is the story within a story mm-hmm. when he can explain it Mm -hmm. and when it makes sense to explain it because of his frame of reference Mm -hmm. like when he's talking about the 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 traveling troop Mm -hmm. it's the the edema rue i think Mm -hmm. is how it's supposed to be said um 
but he explains he's like they're traveling performers but it's not just traveling performers the edema rue are like esteemed traveling yeah, performers right. and so it's it's something that it makes sense to talk about expositionally mm-hmm. Wait, oh, oh no i was just gonna say like i think sometimes the best fantasy does do that like mm-hmm. is it sets you in a world that is different but familiar mm-hmm. the be- the best st- sci-fi stories best fantasy best genre stories to me are ones that you recognize it to an extent Mm -hmm. but yet then there's other things that aren't like your own world but you don't just completely like come in and like everything's different like you give enough and you you set it in a world that is similar yet different right and I don't the one of the things that I enjoy about this is I don't get the sense at least just me I don't get the sense that this is in a different time in our world it feels like it's in its own absolute complete separate world like Mm because there's plenty of fantasy stories that do that that I feel like Middle Earth in the Lord of the Rings is supposed to be our earth just like super super long ago I don't know that for sure but I it's it's I don't know I feel like it is maybe I've never read or watched Lord of the Rings (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, I don't know that's probably a bad example what you're saying feels right so it must be true Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm probably probably gonna get yelled at by nerds but it has been a long time since I've read hey if nerds wanna yell at us if anybody (laughs) wants to yell at us out there (laughs) well and here's this this is a good contrast though Lord of the Rings is great it's really good, but it is super intimidating to read yeah. if you're not an avid fantasy reader. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the only reason I read the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings series um, was because it was popular at the time. I started reading them when the movies were coming out, and I was too young to be able to watch the movies, but I was allowed to read the books. And um, so I pushed on through because I wanted to be into what everybody was into and I enjoyed it but it was hard to figure out I remember my mind was freaking blown when the elves were taller than the 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 hobbits and I was like how short are the hobbits (laughs) (laughs) because my brain is like Christmas elves you know it's so it I feel like Rothfuss does a really good job of not doing that in the way that Lord of the Rings was where you know this is something that you can dip your toe into and find out that you like fantasy because you're not scared away, you know? See, I had the other reaction to Lord of the Rings when it was super popular and whatever, and everybody wanted me to watch it and whatever. I didn't want to do it because it was so popular, and I still, like... I did try, like, I I did try to watch it twice, and I fell asleep both times. Like, it just... But then, like, kind of after that, it was, like, my stubborn, like... I'm going to be different, like, kept yeah. me from ever, like, even giving it a chance. And, like, I'm okay with that. I, I was in middle school. I needed friends and AR points, so. <laughs> uh, my dad read me and my brother The Hobbit when we were little, and so we definitely went to the premiere of the Lord of the Rings movies. He was like, he was like, I'm going to be there, and there's no, you know, so you're definitely going to be there. We don't have a babysitter. I was, I was in high so school. So I really loved it. I don't know. But I've never read um, I've never read the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. I was in high school when the first one came out because I just remember one of my managers at where I worked, like, talking to me about it and whatever. But um, anyways. Oh, okay, back to the book, though. One of the parts that I really enjoyed 
the char- two characters I really enjoyed, uh, besides pretty much uh, like everyone right now, is um, Red's parents. Uh, mm, I thought they were adorable. adorable. They're cute. Yes, very cute. <laughs> I just thought they were so adorable. Um, and Red is such a likable character. Um, he really is. In that mm-hmm. story, you know? Like, it's really fun to read about someone, a kid who's so smart, I guess, yeah. you know? And see, that's the thing. Sorry to not no, that's not to fine. take over, but that's that's actually the majority of my little, my little oh. thingamadoodles that I have in my book is, like, where I think that Kote or Kvoth is, like, really cool. Um, because when we first hear about him, it's from, like, a drunken person in the end who's like, you kill people! You kill lots of people! And, like, everything that we hear is about how, like, bad A he is mm-hmm. and how he's all legendary. And then when he starts telling his own story, the first thing we find out is that he's just super dang smart. And... Yeah, like, when he deciphers um, the shorthand of the uh-huh. character... Um, also, yeah, well, I, have a, I have something I want to say after this. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I have, okay, one of my favorite lines thus far is um, when uh, Abinthi, which is uh, Kvoth's uh, teacher when he's uh, a kid, um, is telling him about how the univers- university has all these books and everything, and um, Abinthi uh, says more than a thousand, actually, ten times a thousand. 10 times 10,000 books. More than that, more books than you could ever read. Abinthi's voice grew vaguely wistful. More books than I could read? Somehow I doubted that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is so cool that we've got this guy that's, he's not like your typical masculine hero that just goes and cuts his way through everything. Like, he's smart. He is super dang smart. And before anything else, he is smart. Mm -hmm. He's he's intelligent and curious beyond all belief. So one of the things that got me was uh, when Red started telling his story, um, and he wanted the Chronicler to get every word, like, exactly as he said it, you mm-hmm. know? And he's like, okay, I'm going to start at the beginning. But I swear, he started at the beginning, like, four times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I was the Chronicler, I'd been like, well, like, where? <laughs> like, which one, Which words are right? Like, is this the beginning? Like, was the first time really the beginning, or is, like, this really the beginning? Well, he was testing him and wanted him to write down everything. Oh, I would like that part, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was after the test. Yeah, yeah, when he goes and he, like, basically goes... He goes at the, like... From the, the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> Not the beginning of time. Um, he does say, though, that he is, first and foremost, a storyteller. He's yeah. from a band of traveling people mm-hmm. that all I do is tell stories. Mm-hmm. So if I sound like I'm going around in circles or saying yeah. something random, I don't care. You write it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I still would have been confused. <laughs> he would have yeah. been upset with me because I would have been like, wait, let's just, let's just see clear <laughs> some things up. <laughs> And he would have said, I don't care, you better be writing. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I've already missed stuff, so we're going to have to start over. Um, but I like that part a lot. Um, what else? I don't know. What do you think about the contrast between the innkeeper and young Kvothe and, and what we see of Kote? I'm going to use the words very differently. Innkeeper, Kote, Kvothe. Kote, when he's telling his story and he starts to get, like, kind of, you know, lighting up and everything, the innkeeper is, like, really shallow in a way. You don't get much more than a smile. Mm -hmm. 
he's very polite, but I feel like that's his disguise. He's dead though, inside. You know? Yeah, he's it's very much his disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, Cote at parts he kind of peeks through, and he's you know it's a little more towards Kvoth, but Kvoth is like outrageously um, curious and wanting to get his hands on everything, and he's bad a eh? he's kills all of these demons and stuff mm-hmm. like that at one point all on his lonesome and is just like yeah can you stitch me up please because i'm hurt yeah (laughs) (laughs) um what do you think about the contrast between these people what do you think leads to that and 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 young him because it seems like Mm. it's awful mysterious to me that like and not having read the second book i don't know everything yeah um there's a huge contrast between all of that what do you what do you think well i mean to me, he he's obviously been through a lot, um, has a big place in kind of this world that we don't exactly know yet, but we know he is a very um, mythological figure in this world, and some bad crap's going down <laughs> on the other side of the mountain. We don't really know exactly what. Um, and has gone down and kind of still is going down. So we don't really know what all that is, but we know that he's kind of taken himself out of the equation and come to this little town to to rest, to get away from it, to die, to whatever. So these are his disguises like he very much and we know that he is very smart very curious so he has thought all of this through he to me like his the differences in quo quoth or quoth or whatever and cote and the innkeeper the innkeeper is is his persona to the to the people who pass through to the townspeople so that they don't even think that he could be this legendary figure Cote is more the person who shines through a little bit when he um can trust who he is talking to or is letting that person in like when he's telling the chronicler um his relationship with Bass I think we see Cote more in in that so he very much has placed himself in these different realms to protect himself from whatever is going on that he's kind of taken a breather from for the moment mm-hmm. or 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. He seems calculating. Not yes. but not in a too I don't think in a cold way. I still think all of those things are likable. All those versions of himself. Yeah. I find them likable. Um but mostly I'm just really excited to see Red grow up and find out all those adventures he's going to have, you know? Do we get to he's, see that? Yeah. The, okay, I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> the whole book, I don't know the... it's the King Killer Chronicles, so yeah. like, <laughs> I'm not going to say. Well, first of all, <laughs> side note, first book is Name of the Wind, second book is A Wise Man's Fear, and the third book is not out and hasn't been out for a very long time. Oh, um... And then they have, like, a side story called, uh, uh, if I was not trying to come up with this um, right off the bat, but it's, it's a side story. That's a story. weird name. Shh. <laughs> um, this, it's, 
has silence in the name. I know that. I should know this. I went to like the book tour for it. Look it up. Oh my god. I'm so disappointed in you. Slow regard of silent things. There we go. Um, can you say it once more? Slow regard of silent things is like a spin-off story of one of the characters that we're introduced to that I love so much <laughs> in the first book. Have we been introduced to them yet? No. Okay. Um can't tell you about anything else that happens for the rest of this book because it's it's highly spoilery but we get through um like his early teenage years basically but that's the thing though he's only 25 roughly times times yeah Mm um when he when he's in the end he in the end he's um chronicler guesses that he's about 25 years old but he's got this like old appearance <laughs> mm-hmm. um well because he's been through stuff and that that will yeah. age you like yeah. your oh, yeah. appearance and whatnot which is what's interesting side note cut this out which is what's interesting about the fact that he's teaching bast who's like 125 years old <laughs> um Bast seems like a teenager you know? bast is awesome i really I like, like bast bast is so cool mm-hmm. um where was i going with all of this um what was you asked how far into it we get oh yeah so we only get through like his early teenage years okay in this book but i'm assuming that the second book will also deal with his adventures yeah the second book picks up where this one leaves off in okay. him telling his story yeah. there's um so how the story within a story works is uh both is taking three days to tell his story to chronicler so this is before chronicler comes and the whole first night that he's telling his story mm-hmm. and the second book picks up on the second night that he's telling his story um and i'm assuming the third book rothfuss if you ever make it is <laughs> gonna be the third night of the storytelling plus some <laughs> it picks up 20 years uh past the, oh. <laughs> the third, third night it probably will, because Rothfuss wants to screw us over. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Pat. I would do that if I was writing a book like that. Oh, you would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. I also really like the moment where um, Chronicler uh, meets Bass, and they have their confrontation, and then uh, Red is like, you guys are going to be friends. Right. <laughs> He's so, like, big and tough at that time. Like, And then also the changing of his appearance again. Like, the Chronicler says it's like he, I don't remember, I'm sure he didn't use the word trunk, but it's kind of like Red shrunk back into mm-hmm. the innkeeper. You know, mm-hmm. like, he, ca- he became, when he was telling them what was what, he became something that was, like, just kind of like that mytho- myth- mythological figure. And then he was able to, like, take it down. Yeah. He's bad A. This is kind of strange, but it almost reminds me of, um, not To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, oh, dang it. Jack Nicholson is in the movie, the remake. Um, the they're in the, the, no. uh, an That's asylum. The they're in an asylum. Oh, oh uh, Silence of the Lambs. No. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. One flew nest. over the cuckoo's oh, nest. Okay. <laughs> One this flew is over the nest, but during classic literature for three hundred. <laughs> uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, you're seeing it from the the eyes of a, a schizophrenic man who envisions it. He's like 
six and a half feet tall at least, but he always sees himself as smaller than people. His how he sees himself is in relation to like how he feels about himself, which is always crappy. So he's always smaller than everybody, mm-hmm. but everybody's like normal height. But that I don't know why that kind of makes me think of this, and you can totally cut all of that out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I really like the storytelling format of it. Like when he takes that break from his story, you know, mm-hmm. it also it reminded me a lot of. Um, the Princess Bride, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, don't know. I like the idea of them sitting around, listening to a story. Mm-hmm. It just feels so nostalgic, even though I never did that. And it's <laughs> it's so engrossing, though, that you kind of forget that it's a story within a story. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. when they start telling a story inside that story. And then then they flash back to the end, and it's like, whoa, wait, whoa, where'd yeah. it go? <laughs> it also a little bit reminds me of... Lane Moriarty, the way that she kind of unweaves her stories, too, uh, is, you know, like, you've got something that's happened that we're slowly going towards, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, in Big Little Lies, especially, we're, we're intercutting, like, interviews that a journalist is doing with the unraveling of the story, yeah. and so... I've been reading a good little bit of Lane Moriarty lately, so that's kind of what just that kind of unweaving of the story kind of reminded me of that. Okay. They're very different, very yeah, different, very different, but just kind of that premise of how to unravel a story. Yeah, I totally see that. So who, I'm going to ask a stupid, not a stupid, a very stereotypical question mm-hmm. that I always ask. Who's your favorite character, or more specifically... Who's your favorite side character? Because there's so many that have been introduced already that I love, and it's hard for me to choose. Oh. Well, I feel like... Can I guess what bit, what Kim's is? <laughs> well, actually, I, I was about to be like, we haven't seen a whole, whole lot, but then no. as I thought, um, we've seen a little bit more. We haven't seen a whole lot, but every single one that comes in, I'm like, oh, I really like them. <laughs> uh. Like my, I mean, you can guess, yes, guess what you think mine I is. think it's Ben. I think it's his teacher. Will be your favorite. Um, my, yeah, my first, um, kind of thought is, well, Bast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the one we've seen the most of, too, mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. And I love his relationship with Kote. Uh-huh. And I feel like it is his relationship with Kote. It's adorable, because it's yeah. not just a teacher-student. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, they live in the same house. They work together side by side, day after day, often alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they have almost a father-son relationship. Just very strange, mm-hmm. right. considering the age difference. Right. <laughs> um, but then, yes, I I really do like Ben and like what we've seen of Ben so far, and we'll probably very much like him. We we haven't seen a whole whole lot of Just him yet, mm-hmm. but I but I do really like him and what we've seen, and really like his parents and what we've seen. Yeah. We've just gotten to know Bast the best so far, mm-hmm. and therefore. Yeah. I think right now he's leading the charge because I feel like I know him a little bit better and he's adorable. He's a he little is, sass. Yeah. My goodness, there's some sass oh, built then up I don't, in there. I don't know why I would like him because I'm not. I don't like sass <laughs> right. at all. That he's not like he's not overly sassy, but there's pretty much everything he says there is sass behind it, and I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's kind of dry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. He has British humor, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Elizabeth? I don't know. It's a hard question, but so far I think one of my favorite relationships to read is his parents. Mm-hmm. They're back and mm-hmm. forth. I really enjoy that. 
even though we haven't seen a lot of them, and I don't feel like we're going to see a lot of them, but I really like him, them. I, if we're going by relationships, mm-hmm. I think I like Ben and Kvothe's uh, relationship the most. Um, ben is short for a Ben fee, if we haven't actually said that yet. Um, because it's adorable, and I just, I love how they introduce Ben on his own. I actually, that's one of the things I marked. Yeah. Is, he's so freaking cute. I feel like. I like when he talks to his donkeys. Yeah. yeah. I feel like The ben donkeys might me. be my favorite. <laughs> ben is, is me. Ben's like a crazy cat lady, in a way. Um, oh, then Ben's Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the opportunity to be a crazy cat lady. You don't know me yet. Um. He, uh, describing him, he spoke gently, laughed often, and never excised his wit at the expense of others. He cursed like a drunken sailor with a broken leg, but only at his donkeys. <laughs> they were called Alpha and Beta, and Abenthi fed them carrots and lumps of sugar when no one was looking. <laughs> That's and so like, sweet. Oh! <laughs> like, yeah. I always, I remembered loving him, but, like, that right there, that settles it for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and the relationship that he and both have is that... Both gives him some serious sass too, yeah. mm-hmm. and he both would probably be so annoying. But the two of them get on so well. It's like you'd think that Abinthi wasn't this like eighty year old dude, and both is like eight. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk to each other like they're oh, peers. Oh, that's so cute. Now it is. <laughs> they're adorable, and there's so many passages where they're talking about you know like one of them gives the other like a look, and then the other one returns it yeah. of, of like a little like sarcastic devilish look or whatever mm-hmm. and I'm like oh they're great <laughs> I really like when um, Ben makes Red tell a story and then he's like asking questions during the story <laughs> and, and Red thinks to himself I'm gonna be nicer to <laughs> Ben when he teaches me they're adorable they're mm-hmm. so funny together I can't believe he's only 8 yeah, is he I think 11 I thought he was 11 is he 11 I don't keep track of his age very well. He's not very old. I at felt like all, he was twelve. Though. So look it up. We have time. I feel like it says when Ben's talking to his parents. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's where I was skimming a lot. <laughs> I I knew the the gist of all of that though. The university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here it says, Ben refilled my mother's cup. He's 11. Have you ever known a boy his age who talks the way he does? A great deal of it comes from living in such an enlightened atmosphere. Ben gestured to the wagons. But most 11-year-olds' deepest thoughts have to do with skipping stones and how to swing a cat by the tail. So, okay. AKA, I, he, I was right. He <laughs> might have learned to play That's his fine. when he was eight. I think he might have learned. Maybe yes, that he learned the, to play the lute. The, yeah, mm-hmm. when he was eight. Um. Yeah, so uh, you get the point, though. Like, He's young. pretty right. old guy, really young kid, right. but yeah. they're just like bros. <laughs> I also really liked when um, Ben's like asking, do, "Does he think his father would like allow him in the troop?" and. Could, Kvothe or whatever is just like well I might be overstepping but welcome to the truth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah 
is it's the the kind of autonomy like Kvothe has like a magical childhood up to that point like he's he's just he's treated like an adult they don't treat him like he's stupid they do covertly educate him though yeah. but like he just he gets to be his own man mm-hmm. and i love it that his dad's just like so you were listening in to all of that and both is like yep and he's like okay that's <laughs> fine anyway so kim what are yeah. you obsessing over right now um so this uh, the past couple weeks i've been listening to the uh audiobook of the Daily Show, the book, and oral history. What what have you been obsessing over, Elizabeth? Obsessing, I've been obsessing over a couple things. Um, X Men. Been rewatching the X Men mm. movies. Um, I've rewatched all of them except for the Last Stand. Uh, That's fine. You can yeah. skip that. And I yeah for real right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the only thing is that the Last Stand has Kitty Pride in it. Well now I'm like a big fan, so I'm like, but whatever. Um, yeah, but it also has. Dying everybody. I know, and don't. I know. Like, I'll go. I know. Um, I watched X Men Evolution, mm-hmm. and then I've been rewatch. After I did that, I've been rewatching other movies. I've been. I rewatched uh, Suicide Squad a couple times. I'm really I not sure that. why. <laughs> you a, own that? I rented it. <laughs> I rented it on Amazon. Um, yeah, so I rented it. Uh, and watch that a couple of times. It's much better than Batman versus Superman. Have I haven't you watched, watched that? it. So I was bad. discouraged. It's so bad. It's hard to. I yeah. Anyway, um, so that and then I've been rewatching The Legend of Tarzan, which we have here at um, Hodges, and I've been worried. Oh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Rewatch that a, good a few one. times. That's that a is good one. such a strange mix of obsessions. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. What about you? Um, I, basically all I've been doing is hate watching Heart of Dixie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I have like four episodes left until I'm done and I'm excited because I want to go on to better things. Um, do you hate season four also? I just don't care. They still like, there's good moments, but it's nowhere near as good as season two. And I just can't get excited over it. See, I think of why I like season four so much is because we get to see a mature Wade. And I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Oh, no. I really enjoyed where he's, like, going to give the rodeo clown, like, lessons on civility and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and Magnolia comes in. And probably the only good thing she's done in the entire series is just to be, like, um, you know, she, like, chases the dude off herself and it's oh. just like got this Wade, you're good <laughs> i did like that part i love magnolia i, love I hate magnolia <laughs> i love everything magnolia does i she's hate magnolia <laughs> she's so ridiculous i love her yeah. no and i love it oh. when her and brick are trying or like lemons moved out and her and brick <laughs> are trying to figure out how to live that's one of my favorite episodes <laughs> that is a good one <laughs> that was funny and where shelby and brick bribed her with a car a car yes, yes. that's a good one too uh, Elizabeth, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to watch the new series that's on Netflix, um, a series of unfortunate events that's Woo! based on the book. I'm Yay! glad to hear excitement. <laughs> um, I binge-watched it when it first came out, so I know this is going to come out, I don't even know, like a month after this date or something like Maybe that. Maybe two by now, I Who don't knows? know. But I just binge-watched it when it came out, and I loved it so i'm just really interested to hear your y'all's thoughts um 
Yeah, so that's next time. All right. Woo. So if you want more I Love It Don't You content, visit our website, I Love It Don't You.wordpress.com. We are have so many social media accounts. Please follow us and like us. Let us know what you think. And if you really enjoyed the episode, we really appreciate it if you left us five stars on iTunes. Or, well, I guess four <laughs> stars is acceptable. Five stars preferable. We'd prefer that you just <laughs> review us at all, really. <laughs>